Recruiters Live Lounge, episode 19. Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back-office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash Rec Live Lounge. Recruiters Live Lounge. Recruiters where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hey everyone, welcome back to Recruiters Live Lounge where you get to meet and hang out with some of the most inspiring business leaders in recruitment on this planet. Um, and in today's Live Lounge, my guest today is Nick Johnston. And uh, Nick is the director, currently the director of Recruitment International Asia. But prior to that, Nick founded Wall Street Associates in Japan uh, back in 1999. It became the first international recruitment business to receive the ISO 9001 2000 certification in Japan. 11 years later, that business was purchased by EN, sorry, N Japan, um, and uh, it was a premium Japanese job portal, um, and then rebranded as N World. Um, Nick stepped down as CEO in June 2012, um, but by that stage, N World had 180 staff in offices Tokyo, Yokohama, Nagoya, Osaka, Singapore, Hong Kong, Seoul, and Sydney. Um, now, Nick, now, apart from the Recruitment International Asia work, focuses on private investments, mainly based in Myanmar, or Myanmar, sorry, I've got it, and as well as helping to grow Recruitment International in Asia. Um, Nick, I hope I got all of that right. How's it going with you? Very good. You had a, a bit of a mouthful there. Yeah, it's quite good. <laughs> it was a bit. Actually, I, just the pronunciations. I probably got a lot of those offices uh, uh, completely wrong. Um, yeah. But Nick, look, before we get going, um, tell us a bit more about yourself and the work that you do with uh, with Recruitment International Asia. Yeah, so Recruitment International Asia invested uh, a couple of years ago with David Head. Very nice chap. We both know uh, David. Great reputation. So I've sort of invested in the company and I've helped. Uh, Recruitment International come to Asia, so we are a magazine and events business for recruiters, basically. So we do like um, master. We're doing some master classes coming up soon. We have awards, uh, quarterly magazine. So it's a good way of me sort of keeping my hand in the game. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And how many people throughout Asia are now getting Recruitment International? Uh, I think we send it out to about eight thousand uh, readers. We have about one hundred and twenty people coming to our master classes, so it's good. Yeah, uh, enjoy it. Well, I enjoy the events. I don't particularly enjoy trying to get people to turn up. But, um, but I enjoy going to speakers and, like, uh, you know, meeting people trying to grow their businesses in the region, yeah. Really Listen good. The challenges, yeah. Fantastic. So, look, um, Nick, I'm, I'm really, really keen to get into these questions with you. And one of the things that we do in Recruiters Live Lounge is kick off with your favourite success quote. What's yours? Right. Yeah, I was thinking about this one. I think one was um, you're only as good as the best people, the people you can hire, the people who work for you. And I, I think it came from the fellow from uh, McDonald's, was named uh, Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc, of course. Yeah. So it's not Colonel Sanders. Uh, it's the other <laughs> one. So the, um, but I quite like this one because um, in my career, I always wanted to hire the best people I could find, not the best people I can find with recruitment experience. Yeah. 
So try and hire people who've got the sort of drive, um, you know, A players, sort of got, they share your values and they're sort of like, you know, so what if they don't have a recruitment experience? You can train people up. A lot of good companies, you can do it yourself or you can get companies like Next Level to help you. So, but then they're just life just gets so so much easier when you've got, you know, um, energizers around you who can sort of like go on the journey, uh, go on the journey together. So I quite like that quote. I, I love that quote, Nick, and it reminds me of, um, I remember when TGI Fridays first started up in the UK, uh, you know, the, the, the restaurant chain. I remember their recruitment drive, they used to place adverts wherever they were going to open up a restaurant, um, and they made a thing of not requesting people with previous um, sort of uh, catering experience, restaurant experience. They just said, look, if you've got a talent, turn up. You know, if you can juggle or if you can sing or you're a comedian yeah. or whatever, turn up for the interview. And it was they were looking for those skills as opposed to previous experience. So, yeah, I, I, I totally echo that. And I think the things that we struggle to train are things like aptitude and attitude and resilience, right. skills we can always give people, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's one company in the US, it was... Um very successful company. It's like a supermarket chain. I can't remember the brand now. Is it Walmart? But it could have been one of the big ones, yeah, like okay. Walmart. And they, um, in the stores, they had signs coming down saying, always looking for great people. So in the actual store, rather than plugging their products. And then, um, and I actually nicked that as a tagline for Wall Street Associates. I think cool. it was some sort of very vague thing like human capital management to start with. Right. So I sort of thought, um, then a couple of people in my office said, oh, that's a bit corny. But I said, no, it actually is true. You know, we're always looking for great candidates, clients, and people for us. So, um, and, it, it, and it, yeah, it worked for us anyway. I like No, I, I like that too. And it's funny, Nick, because I, you know, I, I consult with a lot of, uh, in my masterminds group, a lot of recruitment business owners. And they say to me, oh, you know, we're starting a recruitment drive in three months' time. Or, you know, we're, 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 we've got in the plan to start recruiting quarter two or quarter three. And my response to them is always, and it's always been consistently like this, is we're always in the business of recruiting, whether that's yeah. for our clients or ourselves. Um, you're always recruiting. We should always be looking out for, you know, for, for talent to join us. So I like your quote. I think it's a really good yeah. one. Um, so look, Nick, you know, I know behind anybody successful that I've ever met, um, there's always, you know, uh, on, on, if they've arrived at success, there's always some kind of failure or challenge that they've encountered at some stage in their career. Describe for us your greatest failure or your greatest challenge that you faced in recruitment. Okay, sure. I, I think, um, well, on the positive thing, I was, I was in Japan for 12 years and I had uh, 10 good ones. <laughs> so I think the shareholders would be very happy for 10 years. Right. Uh, but in 2007, I pretty much remember the numbers. I mean, we were a small company. Like I said, we we never grew to a huge company. But sure. we we made um, 198 million yen profit. It sounds like a lot. It does. So, but it's it's just less than two million dollars. Okay. So it's like 198,000 US state. Uh, no, one million nine hundred thousand USD. It's okay. just shy of two million bucks. Okay. So anyway, I was like, oh, happy days. I wasn't happy about paying a huge amount of tax. But then I was just <laughs> sort of thinking, okay, well, next year we'll do 2.5 million profit, just like we'd been doing for the previous few years. Right. But I got to the stage where I thought, company's getting a bit bigger. Not huge, maybe 60 people, but am I, um, 
you know, I've never done this before. So I'm sort of learning on the job a little bit. So I had a non-exec board director who was absolutely brilliant. So he was uh, sort of got me through lots of, uh, you know, he can't share ideas with people. And then he got me through lots of stuff. Sure. So I sort of promoted him to a COO. Right. And then um, for whatever reason, maybe I'm lazy sod or something like that. I don't know. I sort of think I, I, I got the CEO job. Right. So, you know, I thought, oh, you know, it's sort of happy days. I can sort of um, do my own thing, do some search and let him sort of run the company. Sure. So I sort of really took my eyes off the ball big time and um, um, literally got to the end of the year. Um, and this would have been leading up to 2008. So it was actually a good year. It was okay. before Lehman. And then sure. um, the top line sales went up by $5 million. So I was sort of thinking, oh, happy days, you know. And then uh, when we did the accounts, so when I looked at the accounts, I think we made 350,000 profit. Oh my goodness. So we'd gone from like nearly 2 million to 350. So I sort of just totally like, took my off the ball. Then of course it was a big wake up call. Um, you know, the guy sort of went his own way. But then straight away afterwards, um, <laughs> you, know, you remember the Lehman crisis. <laughs> Dang. I read the Financial Times every day. There's no good news for like a year. That's I think right. once I, I once read an article that somebody won the lottery in US and won a hundred million dollars. But you know, I never read any good news in that damn magazine paper. <laughs> but the um, so on the one hand, it was sort of like okay, it's a good learning curve for me that you know I went through that. But, sure. So it's a negative thing, but on a positive thing, I sort of learned so much. That mm. I thought, okay, this is what we were doing good. You know, and also going back to what I said before, you know. We hired too many senior people with not not experience in the game. Right? Do you, do you really need to do that? You know, why not give your ops manager the CEO role? You know, maybe they can't do it straight away, but they can grow into the role. Yeah, probably they can. So um, it was an absolutely great thing to happen to me. And that's it's it's good, isn't it, Nick? That that um, you know, and that's I suppose why I see it so much in successful people. They turn those uh, challenges, those adverse situations, into learning experiences, and that sounds like exactly what you've done there. Yeah. Um, Nick, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, the the other side of that, of course, is that we all have our eureka moments—that moment when the light bulb just goes on and mm. everything falls into place. Can you describe that moment for us? Um, yeah, I think the, the big moment was in two thousand and three. When we were obviously very small, okay. I think we had about twenty people. Um, got to the stage where you were growing, but you couldn't get over the hump. Right. You know, you sort of doing things right, but you know, how do you go to fifty people? I think a lot of people experience that. Sure. So, um, so I, I booked myself a holiday in um, Thailand somewhere, um, just to relax and um, dating some girl at the time. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> the um, so anyway, I, I got to the airport, the Narita Airport, and I saw this book um, called uh, Good to Great. Oh, uh, yeah, Jim read. Collins. Yeah. Jim Collins. So I picked it up, and then um, first day, lie by the pool, get all my things stacked up, and then open this book, and then I couldn't put it down. Literally for two days, couldn't put it down. Sure. Had all these sort of yellow sticky notes uh, out the side of it. It was sort of like reading a book about like... Um, um, how well basically it's how good companies become great over a sustainable period of time as yeah. you know so I, it's sort of articulating all the thoughts I had about how to run a good business but then um, um, but then he put it in a very simple way I think he's a professor so he can he's very good at getting his point across it wasn't too sort of like 
analytical, like you know, complex. I think I'm quite a straightforward person. So I just thought, wow, this is great. So I went through this book, and then um, on the Saturday um, was um, the World Cup final, rugby World Cup final. It was right. in November. Then um, you know all the English fans. We were sort of like never won the World Cup in anything. Sure, maybe darts or you know like snooker or something. <laughs> so it's sort of like oh we're all. I was so excited. I read the book. Then I was sort of um, thinking oh Saturday I've got this World Cup final and then um, you know you may remember the game. We sort of got a try. They they equalise. I do. Got a drop goal. Then the last minute. Um, Johnny Wilkerson, you know, kicked the winning goal and we won. So, you know, it's like it capped the end of a great week. Yeah. But I sort of walked away from that week uh, thinking, I remember thinking it, we're going to be the best in uh, Japan. I just thought, you know, why not? You know, I mean, nobody, a lot of people don't do business in Japan because they think it's too complex and all those sort of stereotypical things. Once you're there, you know, it's it's not so bad. You can make it work. But I just sort of went back and thought, you know, um, a good to great was sort of like get the best people, having discipline and having a clear goal. You know, we want to be the best in the world at something. Yeah. Not the biggest, but the best. So I sort of said, you know, why, why can't we be the best in what we do in Japan? Um, so, yeah, that was a sort of eureka moment and um, it, it really worked well for us. I, I, I love that story, you know, for so many different reasons, apart from the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that game was magic. That, that book is one of my favourite books. I was looking around my desk. Actually, it's here. Yeah. Second. That's how close I keep it, despite all the yeah, books behind good, yeah. me. Um, it, it, it's there. So anyone watching this or even listening to this, it's good to great Jim Collins. And we'll post a, a, a link up on this page as well. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that it inspired you, you know, Nick, to um, to go back and everything was possible at that stage, right? We we we're almost we can sometimes limit ourselves, thinking we're just a small business or it's just me. Um, and actually, reading a book like that and watching, uh, you know, England victory mm-hmm. can often inspire us on to uh, to be able to dream and then follow those dreams. So that's great, great story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I think on that as well, sorry, sure. the, I mean, one thing I took away from the book was like what you don't do. So a lot of the great companies like have a very clear discipline. We're going to do this. So again, you're right. It doesn't, you can be the best 10 people company. Yeah. And you can, you can retain people if you do the right things, but yeah. also, you know, don't get distracted by, oh, you know, I, I always wanted to stay in Japan. People say, why do you go to Hong Kong or Singapore? I said, well, we'll do that as soon as we stop losing deals to Robert Walters right. in Japan, you know placing our own candidates with our own clients so why why get distracted let's just be the best not the biggest but the best in this in what we do and then um so let's not even distract ourselves talking about things that we've already decided not to do it's that whole it's that whole thing nick isn't it it's that whole thing of um i think somebody once said to me stick to the knitting exactly yeah stick to the knitting i love that advice so Nick, I'm really keen to find out how you stay motivated and how you set up your days to be successful. What do you do? Um, well, when I left my old company, I spent a bit of, I took some time off. I've got like young kids, um, so I spent time with them. Good. But my um, missus was probably uh, <laughs> wanting me to get out of the door. Pushing you back. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I sort of um, made some investments, but um, eventually um, I, I discovered Myanmar, 
which you mentioned before. Yes. Which is like Burma. It's one of the last frontier markets. I think there's like um, North Korea, three or four countries in um, Africa and things like that. So I sort of went there and I just got a great feeling about the places. Same feeling when I went to Japan. Right. That there's um, a huge opportunity for operators to do stuff. So, um, so with, with Recruitment International, it's my way of keeping in the game. We can, you know, there's nothing really on the ground here to help recruiters. So we can put on good speakers, master classes, master classes to, you know, really, you know, a, a sort of talk to the progressively minded recruitment company owners. Okay, you've got to keep improving. You've got to look at new things to improve all the time. Sure. So that's one part. And the other part is sort of like looking at some new stuff in Myanmar. Um, so we're like looking at um, coffee brand in Myanmar, for example, at the moment, which um, is sort of, I well realize as well, you know, you're in recruitment, but actually your skills are extremely transferable to other stuff. And actually the skill of having been able to recruit people is, you know, it's the biggest thing our clients suffer from, right? So, so it's a mixture of my time on, on, on both. Um, it's interesting what you say, Nick, about the um, transferable skills. You know, I meet rookies I meet you know people that have been around the recruitment industry 20 30 years plus and um, the, the rookies particularly will say well you know what I'm, I'm not sure that I'm gonna stay in recruitment for the rest of my life and my response to them is really simple the skills that we pick up you know working in recruitment or becoming successful in recruitment yeah. are actually transferable to so many other different industries this isn't you know even if you spent six months or 12 months doing it it's certainly not a waste of time the not you know communication the negotiation the you know judgment calls that you make the sellings the selling skills that you you develop so yeah no i agree i agree with you um Nick, I'm really keen to um, find out your vision of how you think the recruitment industry is going to shape up over the next five years. Um, how do you think it's going to it's going to look in five years' time? I think people have got to. Um, well, there's two things to look at. I think the, the sales front office and back office. Mm. So front office, like um, doing the same stuff, KPIs and all the rest of it. I mean. Um, Know, products like Cube 19, looking at predictive analytics, looking at really you know, being smart in how you're spending your time. Sure. And I, I sort of met Dan three years ago, and I always sort of dreamt of like, um, I remember like Sam Allardyce, that Bolton manager, he was one of the first guys to do the sort of like, used to do a heart monitor. That's uh, right. Yeah, so he was like, and I thought to myself, why can't someone come up with this for recruitment? And then when I met Dan, I listened to his presentation. This, I is, thought, Dan That's it. this is Dan yeah. McGuire we're talking Dan about. Dan McGuire, the CEO of Q19. So I, when I listened to him, I thought, That's it. You know? And then if I was still the CEO of the old company, I would have, I would have taken the product overnight. Because, yeah. you know, you've just got to be, you've got to move on from doing stuff. It's not changed that much, I don't think, no. in the last sort of 18 years. No. So I, I would see people being open to this kinds of uh, stuff. You know, why would you not? You know, it's not a cost thing, you know, you sort of like, just look at more productivity. It's like a no-brainer to me. So that's one thing. Then the other thing is like, you look at the back office. So, I mean, there's a company I met recently called the Recruiter Link. Okay. And they're like, an, they're like an exchange marketplace for support services for recruiters. Right. So in Japan, I would, you know, we've all sort of paid our lawyer way too much for knocking out a contract. Um, you know, I was paying my researchers like 3,000 US a month for name collection, whatever. It all adds up. Right. Whereas their concept is like, 
that we all know there are good people in the Philippines and in these markets, very, very smart, sure. who will work for eight bucks an hour. Yeah. But how do you find them? Yeah. Yeah. So sort of like, you know, uh, there's a big companies um, that you charge you a lot or, you know, it's word of mouth. Whereas their concept is like, yeah, if you want um, a name collecting for your search, we have a, a marketplace full of these people in Asia. Right. And you can grade them on, you know, their, um, their skills, just like you would on eBay and, you know, the rest of it, that kind sure. of marketplace. So I thought, you know, um, and I thought well, that's a great idea, you know, because everything's so competitive for our margins these days. Clients are pushing you down, the rest of it. So you either got to get more productivity on for, with Cube 19, for example, or you've got to like sort of look at your costs and think, you know, could can we get Squeeze another product? More. Yeah. So I think um, yeah, there's there's two things. I think that's the way the market should go. I believe. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. And thanks for that. I I agree with you. You know, it's the it's the two things that we can affect. You know. Uh, boost sales but by using uh, technology and, and and tools like cube 19 to help us do that and definitely it's always been about the margin you know anything we can do to uh, to, to reduce our costs uh, increase our profits are always good news for recruitment business owners yeah. um okay nick thank you for that um nick i'm really keen to move you into our lightning round mm -hmm. uh, are you ready oh uh, yeah <laughs> good okay the lightning round yeah. Um, Nick, you meet in your in your work and and your previous experience. You've obviously met a number of recruitment consultants. What's the number one thing that you think holds recruiters back from being more successful? I think it's like developing their skills. Um, I mean, one of our values used to be continuous self self improvement. I think people will improve to start with. Naturally, they will like improve their skills. Um, because they get trained and they will listen to their colleagues on the phone and the rest of it. But I really believe that after a while, people will get too reluctant, too relaxed and say, "Okay, I've sort of know everything." They don't push themselves to, you know, learn more and more. There's plenty of ways you can do it these days. So then, you know, some people then even to me, you know, we we were put on a good event. You know, it's like peanuts to turn up. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I talk to people on the phone and say, "No, no, no, I am." Um, uh, I went to an event like that before, and it was shit. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, really? Which which event was that then?" He said, "Actually, I didn't go to it because, but I think it's a waste of time. I just want to try and get you off the phone." So the uh, <laughs> at least they're honest. So, so, so yeah, but I sort of think to myself, "Well, you know, if I think, well, not me, but you know, if everybody can learn, you know, I learned a lot in the last two years in my old company." Yeah. Now, sitting next to a good person, you know, we hired some guy from Robert Half, contract staffing guy. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Then they, you know, I love listening to him. And then, you know, so I think if we can still learn after, you know, 17 years in the business, whatever it is, yeah. surely um, <laughs> all of us should be open to that sort of stuff, you know. Like, and we're talking about CEOs plus uh, team leaders and stuff. So, you know, you, why would you not develop yourself? Why would you not try and you know, improve your skills, you know, and don't, don't just get sort of, uh, oh, I know everything. It's that, it's that whole thing, Nick, isn't it, that um, people see training um, as something that's done to them or for them, whereas learning is something that really we should be doing for ourselves. And I agree with you, the smartest people that I ever meet are ones that are committed to, 
you know, lifelong learning. It doesn't matter how old they are or how experienced they are. They just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Um, I think so, yeah. So, Nick, what's the best piece of uh, business or recruitment advice you've ever received? Uh, business advice. I mean, probably after the, the sale, one of my mates said, um, just get income, steady income. Right. Well, actually, it's good recruitment advice as well. So he said, you know, don't worry about like getting investments where you're going to knock it out of the park. Look for steady income. Uh, there's lots of things you can do. So it's it's pretty obvious advice. But then after it, yeah, yeah, it's it's very good advice. So be patient. Look for um, you know not not huge percentage percentages and things like that. So that was one bit that's helped me a lot. And actually, the business in Myanmar, things like that, is very very steady income stuff that we're we're trying to do. Most of it's very steady income. What we're trying to do. Good. And, and I mean, the other bit of advice, sorry, was that when I started um, uh, Wall Street in Hong Kong with Andrew Chung, mm. I mean, we were in a little office. Um, I mean, I used to, I came from London, had a nice big office, you know, window view, this rest, the rest of it, company car. Sure. Then the first day I turned up, it was like a, you know, poxy little office with no, no windows in like, uh, like what have I done? <laughs> and then, um, and I had no recruitment experience, so he was, I was sort of saying, you know, what, where do I start? And then, but it, quickly on, he sort, he sort of said, well, you know. We will always lose to Robert Walls and Michael Page because um, there's ten of them and two of us. But yeah. if we work together and we share all our information, share all the candidates, all the leads, then uh, we will um, we can take them down. Believe it or not. So I thought, yeah, okay, that makes total sense. So you know, he used to say, one plus one is three. Or we always had the David v Goliath mentality. Good. And then, um, but it sort of stuck with me. So. So even when you grow, you've got 180 people, you know, I would always say, you know, we're up against recruit. <laughs> They've got 25,000 people, you know, they're eating our breakfast, you know, we've got to be smarter, you know. You know, if, if 180 people can work well together, then we can beat a company of 1,000. I love, so, I love yeah, that message. I love that message. It's a very simple thing, but a lot of recruitment companies just don't seem to do it. It's funny, isn't it? Because yeah, no, they, they see themselves as um, you know individuals, and you know, you know, I've worked in those businesses as well, where um, you're fighting as much with your colleague as you should be with your so-called competitors. We spend so much yeah. energy, you know, exactly. looking at oh god, this is mine and that's mine and, and and stuff that actually we end up losing to the competitor anyway. So right. yeah, and no, I, I I agree with you. So, Nick, I know you mentioned good to great uh, Jim Collins and, you know, one of my all-time favourites as well, but let's talk about the best business book that you've read in, say, the last six months. Um, I reviewed a book I read a long time ago called uh, Practice What You Preach. I don't okay. know if you've heard of this one. It's By a, a guy called... title, sorry. Yeah, it's an old book. I think it was came out in 2001 or something like that. But the um, I was doing a presentation recently about the story of like Wall Street, and then I was trying to analyze, you know, what do we do? Then one of the guys worked for me. He read this book, and it's about um, how to get a sort of highly motivated workforce. Um, then the guy sort of analyzed 500 companies in the U.S., interviewed all their staff, and these companies were highly profitable, growing a lot. And it was more to do with like why are why is the company so successful? What's the environment like? What's the sort of culture like? You know, what's the expectations? Things like that. And then, I think I read it before Good to Great, but it's one of those things as well that sort of like it sort of thought, okay, yeah, we. Well, if these companies are doing it and it's like pretty well researched, why can't we do it? Even though when we had ten people at the time, 
and it sort of like helped us with our values because a lot of the before that we sort of think all right what are the values and um, customer service or you know whatever you sort of make them all up put them on the wall and then ignore them uh, that can happen whereas what we did was sort of think okay well these these um, actually one of the things I said earlier one of the these high performing companies they say um, self improvement is an expectation it's not a request so we expect everybody to improve their skills like and if you hire the right people they naturally do that anyway I think yeah. you know they sort of, they sort of get it yeah so. Um, so, but we sort of talked that out of the book and said, yeah, that makes sense. And we were all the same, the three of us at the time running the company. So we said, yeah, that is the expectation. So a lot of the things we did over the years were like, but we would always back it up with, um, you know, we'll support you with your Jap Japanese lessons and the rest of it. Right. But it was like, it became like a cultural thing. Um, the other thing I remember from the book was like, um, the best people get paid the most. So, you know, the top sales guy should get paid more than the CEO. Yeah. You know, you know, and you sh and we were very transparent with our pay plans. Like, you know, if you get this, you you build, you get forty percent. You will earn this. We were like, we publicize it and sort of, um, you know, recognize the best people. Sure. Um, so I thought you know, it was like an old book. I mean, to be honest, you can read the first three chapters and then forget about the rest because <laughs> he sort of like he sort of bangs on a bit. You know, he sort of says the same old stuff over and again. But you know. If you want them, I'm sort of a, you know, I can get through a book quite quickly. I mean, Skim so, read. Uh, yeah, read the first three chapters and then um, get the questionnaires. And the summary at the end. At the end. And the summary <laughs> at the end. Um, Nick, who is the author on that book? Sorry, Practice What You Preach What was his by... name? David, David Meister. David Meister. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm really familiar with the title, but I'm going to try and find that book myself yeah, and, do, yeah. uh, and read the it's first good, yeah. three chapters <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, Nick, uh, final question for you um, yeah. before we start to wrap up. If you woke up tomorrow morning, you still had all the skills, all the experience, all the knowledge that you currently have, um, but you weren't doing what you're doing now. You know, you weren't uh, with Recruitment International Asia. What would you do? How would you start again? What would you, you know, what would be the steps that you take to build yourself back up again? I mean, I think I'd move to Myanmar. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't think my wife would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um... I, I, I would, I would, yeah, I'd definitely move to Myanmar. Um, Why is that? Is that the, the opportunities the, there, or it's opportunity for like operators, right? The just people who can do stuff. And then um, I don't, I wouldn't, um, I would not go into recruitment right. in Myanmar. But I think I'll just go over there, and um, I think it's a time in the country where you can talk to very senior people. Sure. So with the right networks, you can you can talk to the prime minister, or you can talk to the generals and all the rest of it. Sure. And then they're looking for people who sort of say, okay, well, what have you done in your life? A lot of sort of chances there, who, you know, trying to win business and stuff, but they can't get things done. I think one thing about me is sort of like I had good people working for me, but I sort of get things done. You know, I enjoy like going through the process of building things. Right. It was never ever about the money. It was more about like okay. How can we build a great company and you know, it's like uh, have fun along the way? So I think in Myanmar, the same sort of thing. You know, you don't need huge amounts of money, but you, people need, you know, the companies need great people to do stuff. So um, I love that idea, Nick, of um, sort of frontier 
commerce or business building on frontiers. We've got um, some clients, friends, in fact, that uh, operate uh, recruitment business in Cambodia. Uh, sorry, and um, uh, Mongolia and Cambodia. They're just about to start in, in, in Cambodia. Um, but yeah. I love that, you know, sort of doing it from the ground up, being the first, cutting new ground. Uh, it's not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. But um, if you're if you're that way inclined, a brilliant, brilliant uh, way to do things. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then I don't know. I don't really mind about having nice flash offices, and you know, I think it's normally as soon as a recruitment company goes to a flash office, you know, you should be shorting recruitment company stocks because <laughs> it's, it's the same old thing, right? You just, but there, it's sort of like um, yeah, I don't roll my sleeves up again. The people are very, very nice. They're like similar to Japanese kinds of people, Japanese people, right. quite soft. Then, um, but yeah, it's like you should go there sometime. Yeah, you know, come out, come out, and I'll take you around. Listen, I'm inspired. I'm, I'm on the next plane, but uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm inspired to uh, to find out more about that region. You know, I know Thailand, I know Singapore a little, but I don't know um, Myanmar. So um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued and, f and want to find out some more. So. Look, Nick, we are coming to the end, unfortunately. I've really, really enjoyed today. But before we let you go, before we say goodbye, can we have just one final piece of advice from you? And also, how can people get in touch with you after the show? Sure. I mean, I think in, in Asia, one thing I do see is uh, um, there's a huge opportunity for contracting here. So I sort of said before, my mate said, you know, get regular income mm. for your investments and really businesses. So... Um, I still see here that people are not doing it well. Right. And I'm not talking about, you know, going against manpower, this low-level, you know, blue-collar stuff. You know, sure. you, you will never win. No. But, you know, going against KPMG or these consulting companies, this is sort of, we had a great business in Japan doing this, but I don't see anybody doing it well in the region. Right. And it's more to do with the fact that they just think, oh, well, you know, it's too much time or we've got a great business in the UK, but don't want to do it here. But, you know, why not? Yeah. You know, why not sort of, sort of spend a bit of time and, you know, you, if you don't know how to do it, just go and figure it out or go to the US, go on a course for four days and learn how to do it. You know, it's just sort of an excuse that yeah. you can't do it. So, you know, I would, you know, building a permanent recruitment company, you know, okay, it's great, but it should be the, you know, it's the cake should, there should be the cream on the cake, the recruitment, permanent recruitment part. Sure. We all know that. Sure. But in Asia, there's seriously not many uh, companies international companies have cracked it so i would but it just comes down to just um just figure it out and it can be done good so so i think um, coming here that's a that's the biggest opportunity in the region um, and high margin sort of stuff what was the other question sorry yeah how can um how can people get in touch with you um after watching or listening to this episode nick oh yeah just let me just go through linkedin and um, find me on linkedin and if, you ever in, if anybody wants to come to Singapore, wants to set up in Asia or Japan, feel free to give me a call. I'm delighted to help. Fantastic. Just buy, buy one of the tickets at David's events. <laughs> <laughs> David would be pleased. <laughs> Brilliant. Exactly, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm always happy to help. You know, I, I, I still love the industry. I like, um, you know, I like um, it's sort of in your blood. Sure. Nick, know, so, yeah. Uh, do you know what? It's a really good, uh, you know, really great invitation from you. There are people that will be watching this in the region that, uh, you know, should be in touch with you. There are other people across the world that if you're interested in anything in that area, you should be 
in touch with Nick Johnston. Um, Nick, I just want to say thank you so, so much for joining us in Recruiters Live Lounge today. It's been a real blast. Thank you. Great. Look forward to catching up in London sometime. Ah, oh, listen, that's for sure. And okay. um, just a final message for everyone that's watching or listening to this as a podcast. Um, to make sure that you get more episodes just like this delivered to your inbox automatically, go on to recruiterslivelounge.com and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you jump on iTunes and again, subscribe to the podcast. Until I see you again in the Recruiters Live Lounge, take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper. Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader. Deleso was formed to enable recruitment owners and managers to focus their skills and efforts in areas that would get the most rewards, such as sales. Deleso supports clients by providing a tailor-made service from outsourced back-office functions right the way through to director-level advice and consultancy. Go to deleso.co.uk forward slash reclive lounge to find out more and start talking to them today.